Amen. God bless you all. We're so glad you're all here. Uh, I want to encourage you just for a second to put your thinking caps on, to try to put your stuff behind you, whatever you've got going on. I feel like the Lord's got a great message uh, for us today, and it's just going to be straight out of the Word. It's going to be out of the message translation, so you may need to get out your phones. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you, but um, can you just take a moment, just ask the Lord to teach us, teach us this morning, Holy Spirit. Um, You're even going to see in this scripture that that, uh, Paul says, don't miss this. As Paul is teaching the Galatians, we're going to be in Galatians uh, chapter 5. So go ahead and just start turning. If you've got your Bibles, get that out. Um, But Paul even takes a moment and says, don't miss this. So I want to encourage you, before we get going, don't miss this. We're going to just take right on off. Galatians chapter 5 from the message. This is still kind of tying together wilderness. Uh, I I felt like the Lord was giving me a word this week um, on how the believer, even in our spiritual walk, can wind up in a spiritual wilderness. I think that we we could all agree we're, we're, we're probably in some type of wilderness personally in relationships or in our jobs or in, in where we're trying to get to or where we think we need to get to. But I want you to know that the Christian has, a, has challenges uh, throughout our life also. And I really feel like Galatians chapter 5 really sums this up. And to be honest with you, when I'm reading and studying, the message sometimes will explain it very clearly to me. I don't even have to preach a whole lot because I feel like the message has already kind of translated it to today. Um, So let's just dive in. Galatians chapter 5. So if you ask the Lord to teach you, hold on. First thing I asked you to do was to ask the Lord to teach you this morning. Okay, so I'm going to repeat. Did you ask him? Teach us. Teach us, Holy Spirit. All right. Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. That right there is enough to stop and to live there. What did that just say? Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand, never let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. So who puts a harness of slavery on us? It says anyone. I think that, uh, you know, Scripture says that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but, but against principalities and powers and spiritual things. But I want you to know we have a problem of relating it to a person. And we allow people to put chains on us. Yes, so who's doing the allowing? Me. I am allowing you to put chains on me. Now, this is not me. I'm not trying to say that. Hear me. uh, Yeah, thank you. (laughs) I allow person to do that to me. Somebody's going to get free today if you, will, if you will allow yourself. God's saying, I've paid the price for your freedom. Today you're going to get free if you will listen to what the Lord is saying to you. God has given, set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. So 
how do you let somebody put a harness of slavery on you? Unforgiveness. Bitterness. Offense. You get offended. And the only way that that happens is if you let them. If you let that door open. If you don't let it open, you are not going to get under chains on what anyone does to you. No one has that power over you but you. Christ has set you free. You have the power. The same power within me is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. I've got the power. Say, I've got the power. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right where you sit, call on him. Right where you are, don't wait any longer. If you haven't given your heart to Christ, you don't have the power. You never will have the power. You never can stand against what Satan is trying to tear down in your life. You can't do it. But if you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, Christ has paid the price for you to live a free life. So take your stand and never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Verse 2. I am emphatic about this. Go back. I am emphatic about this. The moment any one of you submits to to circumcision or any other rule-keeping system, at that same moment, Christ's hard work, a gift of freedom, is squandered. What's What's it saying here? The moment that we get outside of the grace and the love and the mercy of Christ and try to put a box on it by rules and by regulations and by systems, you immediately come back under chains. And you've just undone what Christ has done for you. The moment you allow unforgiveness to take a root, a root rooted in your heart, you have just undone what Christ and the power of Christ in your life was, was paid for. You're just taking the power back, saying, God, I, right now I don't want to think about what you did for me on the cross and how you forgave me. I want to hold unforgiveness against him. That sounds dramatic or drastic, but that's literally what you're doing. God, I, I, I abdicate the blessing. I take you off the throne of my life and I place myself back on it because it's more important for me to hold this thing against that person. And all of a sudden, you're on the throne. And I don't know about you, but anytime I find myself on the throne, things don't go well. I can justify it. I can prove my point. Literally, the person did do something to me. It's not that I'm making it up. That did happen. But God says, who's on the throne? I'm emphatic about this. The moment you, any of you submit to circumcision or any other rule-keeping system, at that same moment, Christ's hard work, hard-won gift of freedom is squandered. 
I repeat my warning. The person who accepts the way of circumcision trades all the advantages of the free life in Christ for the obligations of the slave life of the law. What is that saying? Again, we're going from the new covenant back to the law. It's saying that whenever you try to do things on your own and you remove Christ from you, you can't fulfill the law. You can't do it. You can try. Men have tried since creation and have failed. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's when we accept Christ and walk in Christ that he covers us in his righteousness. No, we never did keep the law, but we're no longer viewed under the law. We're viewed under Christ. And that doesn't dismiss the law. Christ fulfilled the law. So the moment you want to take things back and do things on your own is the moment you come directly back under the chains of bondage. So you broke the rules. You look at other people and you see that they're, they're doing things wrong and we say, you broke the rules. I'm not going to love you unless you follow the rules. Have you ever, I, I can tell you, I'm a rule follower, except when I'm not. I like to stand on rules when I'm in agreement with them. And to be honest with you, I love to break the rules when I don't agree with them. It's really not a great situation. (laughs) But the moment I start holding you under a, a standard and my relationship is based on that, I no longer can love you. All I can see is what you do wrong. And what you do right, what you do right kind of somehow fulfills me in some um, perverted way. I no longer see you, I see your thing, I see your stuff. And when I follow the rules, I'm a good person. When I try to live out my life to maintain righteousness, all I do is fail. I trade in the sacrifice and the benefits of Jesus that were provided on the cross, but something else happens. When, when I start to try to live that way and try to be a good person and try to fulfill my own righteousness, what happens is I also turn on you. And I start to judge you. And I judge everyone else on their ability to follow the rules. So what's happened? Love has been completely thrown out. The Lord has, has shown me in, in my 12 years of pastoring and in my life that I can love anybody. But if I want to get in the way of it, I cannot love everybody. But God has given me a heart. As long as he is with me, I can love anybody, no matter what you've done or what you've been through, where you've come from or where you're going. I think that you all, if you've walked with Christ at all, you all would agree. When you are full of his mercy and grace and his spirit, your ability to love the unlovable is, is there. But I know that I can turn on a, on a dime. My flesh is just waiting. I don't know it, but it's just waiting to devour somebody. Road rage is a great way to, to see it. Everybody acts pretty normal most of the time until they get in their car and they're alone. And every demon in hell shows up. 
It's really a good litmus test for you. Where am I really? God, I don't read anywhere in the Word that I'm supposed to love somebody else in their car. That's our way of reading. That's my translation. Look at verse 4. I suspect none of you would ever intend this. But this is what happens. When you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects, you are cut off from Christ. You fall out of grace. Meanwhile, we expectantly wait for a satisfying relationship with the Spirit. Don't change. Hold on to that one just for a second. If you don't pay attention, you're going to think it just turned pleasant. It didn't. What he's saying is when we start doing things our own way, we forego, we're cut off from Christ. We forego what was done on the cross, which is your forgiveness. It's the washing of of your sins away. When we get outside of that, all of a sudden, I need to pay for my sins. Is, Is anybody with me? Okay, I'm cut off from Christ and I fall out of grace. Anybody here feel like you've fallen out of grace? This is, a, this is God's rescue attempt today. I don't know if you're listening, but God is trying every single day to rescue you. But what happens is when we turn and we try to attempt to live our lives on our own way, we expectantly wait for God to move. We're still thinking everything's fine. We are completely deceived. We can justify our actions. But we're expectantly waiting for God to move. God, why aren't you moving? God would say, your mouth is moving. But your heart is nowhere near me. And God would say, all I care about is your heart. All I care about is your heart. Next part says, for in Christ, neither our most conscientious religion nor disregard of religion amounts to anything. What matters is something more interior, faith, expressed in love. Your whole religious bent doesn't even matter. Your view, when all is said and done, what matters is your heart. I can tell you that I can stand in faith and go to battle with people that I don't completely agree with. And I can tell you not one person in this room, including my wife and my kids, would we agree on everything. But when our hearts are right, we can stand. We will stand. When our hearts aren't right, I don't care how hard we try. I don't care how great a person you are. You can't do it. Verse 7. Hang in there with me, church. Don't check out. You were, you were doing great. You were running superbly. 
Who cut in on you? Deflecting you from the true course of obedience. This detour doesn't come from the one who called you into the race in the first place. Now here he says it, next, next scripture. And please don't toss this off as insignificant. This is Paul saying, don't miss this. This is Paul's words. It only takes a minute of yeast, you know, to permeate an entire loaf of bread. Deep down, the master has given me confidence that you will not defect. But the one who is upsetting you, whoever he is, will bear the divine judgment. Do y'all remember last week, if you were here last week, Michelle came up and talked about that new wine. And the thing that causes us to keep from going forward is our past baggage. What baggage are you carrying? Do you have two carry-ons? Because they charge you for that. You overfill your bag, they're going to weigh it, and they're going to charge you for that. Anybody here ever had your bag weighed and they get charged more? Yeah. You get charged for your baggage. You've got your carry-on, and you've got trunks. You got those big trunks that need guys to carry them. You got trunks for your trunks. Who's upsetting you? God's saying, what is all this? I've paid for you. I paid for all that. But it's more important to you for you to carry this than it is for you to get your heart right with me. You want out of the wilderness? Get your heart right with God. What will happen is you won't have to go take this all back home and lug it all back home and go find a place to put it. It'll be gone. The pain and you remembering is still going to be there. What's, what's amazing is you can go pick it back up if you want. It doesn't undo it. It doesn't make it disappear as though it never happened. No. I get to remember what I can overcome. I can overcome people hurting me. I can overcome family relationship issues and childhood issues. I can overcome job stuff. I can overcome physical hurt. I can overcome if I will get my heart right. I will come out of the wilderness if I will get my heart right. God will not keep me there. He will lead me out. It is a promise. I have a promise to come out of the wilderness. But the only way I come out is if I get my heart right. We were in Sunday school this morning talking about the first commandment. There shall be no other gods. That whole piece, if we don't get the first piece right, everything else gets filtered through you. The filter has to change. And I have to be able to view you through Christ. If I don't, I see your stuff. And I judge you for it. And it says that when I judge, I will be judged. But if I don't judge, I won't be judged. There, it is impossible not to judge without Christ. Can I just tell you, it is impossible to win over your flesh without Christ. It's impossible. You can't do it. 
I don't care how great you think you are. That pathway will lead to hell. There is only one way, and that's through Christ. Let's keep going. I really want to finish. I still got a couple minutes. Verse 11. For as for the rumor that I continue to preach the ways of circumcision as I did in the pre-Damascus road days, that is absurd. Now, don't, you got to stay focused with me. He's saying, if I just keep preaching this law and you fulfilling the law and you trying to live a life without sin, he's saying, if I kept doing that, that would be absurd. Why would I still be persecuted then? If I were preaching that old message, no one would be offended if I mentioned the cross every now and then because it'd be so watered down. It wouldn't matter one way or the other. Why don't these agitators, obsessive as they are about circumcision, go all the way and castrate themselves? Those of you that are so hung up with religion and the way that we have to do religion, why not just go ahead and go all the way and you just, you just worship religion and just make it known, I worship religion and I don't worship God. That sounds harsh, but the fact that we so stand on stuff rather than our heart toward God, it messes everything up. It happens in the church. It happens in life. It happens in marriage. Losing my voice. It's a sign. Thank you. It is a good word. I want to back up just for a second and say you've got to be applying this to you, not to anyone else. To you. In your life, God's not concerned about anybody else but you. You, you are the most important person in the room. Verse 13, it is so absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Think that that's kind of delving into greasy grace type stuff that we could, because we're saved and we know we'll be forgiven, that we can go out here and do whatever we want and then come back to God and get, and get cleaned again. That's wrong. Either you love God and desire to obey him or you're playing some religious game. And he's breaking that down again here. You can't play a religious game. God knows your heart. Rather, next verse, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. It's an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. And at no time, all these things, in no time at all, you will be annihilated, annihilating each other. And where will your precious freedom be then? So your actions toward each other, your arguments, your disagreements, your murmuring, your complaining, you're complaining. I want you to think about the things that are coming out of your mouth in your marriage, at your job, at church. Is it fussing? Is it arguing? Is it disagreements? Is it murmuring? Is it complaining? I want you to know what you risk losing is your freedom. Yay. So here comes some counsel. Verse 16. My counsel is this. Live freely. Animated and motivated by God's spirit then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest that is in us at odds with our free spirit, just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. These two ways are antithetical or directly opposing. 
so that you cannot live at times one way and at other times another way according to how you feel on a given day. This can't be a moody thing. It's okay, I'm moody today. You should let me act like this. No, that's controlling. That's manipulating. Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and escape these erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? You're either free or you're not. You can try to fake it, but I want you to know the truth will come out of your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart. Oh. Verse 19. It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. That's what Michelle talked about last week was that emotional garbage that we carry. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming, never-yet-satisfied wants, a brutal temper, and impotence to love and to be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable actions, ungodly parodies of community. I could go on. I feel like he covered about all of it, but he feels like he could probably say more, but he doesn't. What he's trying to say is take, take account of your life, and if any of these things are existing, it's, a, it's an easy fix. It's, it's easy, uh, and it's not easy. Just turn your heart back. Simple. Turn your heart back. Turn your heart back. I, I, it happens in marriage. We let a little bit of offense happen and all of a sudden it builds and builds and builds and builds and all of a sudden you're just out of control. You get offended. It happens at work. It happens at church over chairs or over the pain or over whatever. It doesn't matter. But it's something to be able to, to, lay, to plant in your heart, down in your mind and to fester until that's all you can think about. And we have missed what it is that God's trying to do. What, what's he trying to do? To the core, set you free. There is no reason to play a bunch of religious games here. God wants you free. Free to love each other. But when we're not free, we will not love each other. I don't care how great I am or how great you are. To the core, I am unlovable. Without Christ... You can't do it. And I can't be good enough for you. The people sitting next to you could never be good enough for you without Christ. With Christ, we can be completely free. Completely free. Verse 22, but what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives. Much the same way fruit appears in an orchard. Like the affections for others, exuberance about life, serenity, we develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that the basic holiness permeates things and people. 
We find ourselves in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our own energies. If you find yourself having to force your way, something's wrong. God will just start having fruit pop up in your life. It says that if we will follow him and obey him, his blessing will find us and it will overtake us. I know that if I'm overtaken, I'll notice it. We're not going to miss it. God's got a tremendous blessing. Church on the Hill, I'll close right here. God's got a tremendous blessing for us. But if our heart is not right, what happens is you are not free. The only way we push forward is if we're free. If we are not free, we will be tethered to that offense and we will not be able to move. Does anybody here feel tethered to an offense? I want you to really think. Y'all just bow your heads just for a second. And would you please be real? Just be real with God just for a second. Are you hanging on to something? Now, I want to get real with you just for a second because the Lord knows what it is. With, with Elizabeth going back into teach school with fifth graders, she knows the stats behind what's happening with kids this age in their homes. Is it one in four? Can you share just for a second? Some of those stats, is that appropriate? Well, I, just for a second. I think that what he's trying to get at is that the realness of what you've been faced with in your life. Um, because we know as a, as a woman gets older, um, that one in every four women have been sexually abused. It's one in four. Um, and so I think probably what he's trying to say is that you may be sitting here and have been hurt in some way and the realness of that and the realness of that pain and that hurt that we walk around with and how sometimes it causes us to see people that are trying to love us through a lens It causes us to see things, um, you know, in our lives. It just, it's, it, it can be quite polluting. And so I think that as he's preached this message, um, what's coming to me is that, you know, it may not be a sexual abuse issue. It may be an abuse. It may be a rough life. It, I don't know what it is, but regardless of what it is, that I just want to stop seeing the people of God, the church of God, the things that God has for us through a lens that distorts what he's really trying to do for us. And so I think if that's you, I think if you're sitting here and you think, yeah, but you don't know my life, you don't know my pain. You don't know my hurt. I just want to say, more than likely, the person sitting to your left or your right has some hurt too. 
And so I would just encourage you now just to let it go and give it to the Lord and forgive. To just release that pain, release that hurt. And Lord, we just don't want to look at life through a lens anymore that's covered with unforgiveness and bitterness and pain and hurt. And so, Lord, today, we choose, Father God, to just lay it at your feet. We just lay it at your feet, Lord God. The pain and the hurt and the rejection. And Lord God, right now we just receive your love. We, we receive forgiveness. We pray, Father God, right now that, that just as you've forgiven us, Lord God, that we can forgive others. And Lord God, we choose your restoration today. That you would restore and Lord God, what, what you restore, when you restore, you restore better. And so we pick you, God. We pick your way. We pick you every time. Thank you, Father. Amen. I'll just let that be it. The things that you've been through are real, but I want you to know that the Lord can set you free of it. Even as torturing as it's been in your entire life, God can set you free. I want to encourage you to connect to one another, possibly be willing to share what you're going through with somebody that you can trust. And let's get free. We are here. My deacons, the deacons' wives, my staff, we are here to pray with you and to believe with you. And we're not going to run off from you. God does not run off. He already knows. Let me just, y'all stand up with me, please. If you need prayer today before you leave, we want to pray with you. Please don't go. If you just need somebody to talk to you, we want to talk to you today. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask, Lord, that you'd give us a straight pathway to freedom. That those that are sitting here just hurting, that you would show them a way out. That you would put that right person in their, in their pathway to ask that right question. Let this life of pain and suffering be over. And that Jesus, you be all that you say that you are. That you're a restorer, that you're a deliverer, that you're a God full of mercy and grace and love. And that you can replace those hurts with, with your joy. Almost sounds too good to be true. But Father God, I know you to be true. Help us to get our hearts right with you and to begin to walk in freedom as a church, as individuals, in our marriages, in our lives. We just give you all the glory and the praise for you are worthy. 
and just love you, Lord. Now, Lord, I just speak over this week and just ask for our greatest breakthrough. That, Lord, as you go with us, you go with us in favor and in power, in wisdom. That, Lord, that you make the path straight and the impossible possible. Thank you for victory this week. In Jesus' name, amen.